Welcome to Museum Way, the podcast of Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art. We're sharing the ins and outs of the museum, from the galleries to the trails, the architecture and more. You'll learn the Museum Way of Crystal Bridges. On today's episode, we're taking a behind-the-scenes look at how we plan for an exhibition. We'll chat with my counterpart at the museum, interpretation manager Samantha Sigmund, about her work with our latest exhibition, Art for a New Understanding, Native Voices, 1950 to Now. Then we'll talk with Julie Goss, our Director of Audience Research and Evaluation, about working with community groups to incorporate a range of voices and perspectives into our exhibition process. So let's jump into this episode of Museum Way. We're here with Interpretation Manager, Samantha Sigmund. Welcome to the podcast, Samantha. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So one of the things that's fun about this moment in uh, Museum Way is uh, it, many of our listeners uh, have probably heard me introduce myself as an interpretation manager and probably thought, what the heck is that? What does that even mean? Well, there are actually two interpretation managers at Crystal Bridges, myself and my counterpart here, Samantha. So we're going to get to talk about interpretation. Yes, we're all right here. Yes. Yeah, the whole, <laughs> the the whole interpretation. Yeah. <laughs> all two of us. So um, why don't we just start talking about that a little bit? Um, uh, a lot of people often ask us what it is that we do. What does interpretation mean? So why don't you give us your pitch? What is What is it? Yeah, I want to start by saying I, I usually feel kind of bad because a lot of times we'll be interviewing other people and uh, it'll get to uh, my name's Samantha Sigmund. I'm the interpretation manager. And then I have a very long explanation on, on what that means. So it's a little bit longer than everybody else in the room. But um, it does sort of occupy an interesting gray area kind of between curatorial and um, what the educators do. So I think the way that we define it is while the educators are, are really direct and audience. It's programs, it's tours. Um, and the curator is really looking at the art and the artwork and the artists. Um, what we are doing is standing in for the visitor um, in a space. So more of a self-directed um, experience. And we can do that in many different ways. And a lot of times we work really, really closely with the curator to um, to sort of design this experience and, and how we want our viewers to see our shows. Right. So it's not like the curator doesn't have the visitor in mind per se, but yeah. it's just that we're standing in in a way that says, uh, you know, will the visitor understand that or what are ways that we can engage the visitor in creative ways? Right. I think for me... It's so exciting when um, it's like the the gallery, a gallery you've been working on for for so long first opens, and you see these people you don't know, these families, these groups um, engaging with the things that you have designed, and you spend a really long time doing. Whether that's a digital activity or a print guide or a map on the wall, and it just it's just so wonderful to see um, to see people engage with that, and that's sort of what you know what we we drive that process, and that's great. So. You know, one of the interesting things is that you and I both work in different ways. Um, we work on different projects. We kind of, uh, you know, trade them off, for example. So last year I did Chihuly. I did the Stuart Davis show. Uh, tell me some of the projects that you've worked on. Okay. Yeah. So um, the fun thing, I think, for both of us about being interpretation managers is that we get to learn um, very different things. And a lot of what we're doing is looking at the context around things. And so I say that because um, I've become sort of 
I would never say the word expert, but very, very like have have micro knowledge on certain subjects at a certain amount of time. So my very first exhibition that I worked on was the early 2016 Open Road. So it was um, photographs of the road trip. Uh, so that I got was a to fun show. Yeah, you it was did a so great fun. job on that one. Oh, thank you. Um, so, but we got to really um, uh, engage in so many different activities, and it was my first time doing this. Um, uh, this role as interpretation manager as well. So I got to learn about the um, the technology of the car and the camera growing up together. And so we had this sort of timeline. Um, we had low-tech magnet activities in there. We had um, a sort of high-tech uh, social media share-out to share out your own road trip photos. We had a Spotify playlist and a video montage. So I got paid to like make playlists and and look at and uh you know watch like Smokey and the Bandit it was fun <laughs> so yeah. i thought it was so great but to really um for me as a as if i was a visitor i think making those connections to um to artwork in our everyday world and our pop culture and all of that is just so it's so fun for for people too and it's it's fun for me to do and i think that comes through so that was one and then not to mention by yeah. the way the the muppet movie landing on the cutting room floor <laughs> that was oh, a traumatic yes. moment that was for you. traumatic for all of us so Everyone was really into that video montage a little bit too much, but, um, but no, it was it was great. Uh, and then um, from there, you know, I, I did Art of American Dance, so I was really looking at uh, the dances themselves and the dancers themselves, and sort of dance theory and how the artists portrayed those dances because they were inspired by the dances as well, and so. It's sort of a case in point of how the curator and the interpretation manager is a little bit different is that um, the curator is is really looking at that artwork and what that artwork is sort of saying about the dance. But I'm sort of going into dance itself and how that connection between dance and art um, has existed throughout time and looking at really old YouTube videos and really great things like that. Well, and you um, produced a multimedia uh, digital experience, yeah, right? Like an audio visual guide. Yeah. Yes, we did it together. You <laughs> yes. did most of it. Yeah, I know. And it was really great to look up these um, archival uh, videos and things like that. So that was really great. And then Totally Switching Gears was Border Cantos. And that was um, that was a really tough show. It was during the election that we were really working on it. Um, and we had a group of uh, Latinx uh, advisory uh, committee members that met every month with us and went over, you know, everything with our text, with our design, with our interpretation plan. And they just kind of became part of this, you know, Crystal Bridges family with us um, moving through this exhibition. And so I think that one just meant so much to me. And I learned so much about um, the Mexican-American border. And um, that's sort of a case in point, too, on how the big idea themes and goals really affects our work, because one of the major points in that was um, talking about empathy and like putting um, yourself in people's shoes that have had a rough time. And so we, you know, put conver open conversation questions throughout the gallery. Like if you could just um, if you just had a backpack and you had to leave, what would you fill it with? And then there's an actual backpack, you know, as an art object uh, on the wall. And then we had these personal stories from people in our region um, uh, give their firsthand account. So really bringing in that goal um, and, and seeing that was uh, that outcome was really great. And seeing that community support was really great, too. Well, and that actually brings us to sort of part of the conversation we're having today about art for a new understanding, which is, and also uh, talking with uh, Julie Goss later, our director of audience research and evaluation, is that um, that community engagement, learning from the community, listening to the community as a means of helping to create the exhibition and create the interpretation around the exhibition is something that you also uh, to some degree, did also with um, Soul of a Nation mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. earlier this year. 
mm-hmm. and uh, and with this show. So why don't you tell me a little bit more about what happened with Art for a New Understanding and how you, the content team approached it? Yeah, and I think, um, so we've sort of started this process, um, the idea of reaching out early, as early as we can, reaching out in advance with Border Canto. So it is, you know, a good link there, but um, also museum-wide really working on our community outreach. So um, all of these things coming together means that we're really working with the community to inform our exhibitions um, and our exhibition process. And with me, I'm really interested in community issues, and my background was sort of in anthropology. So I sort of get um, I get these amazing and very very difficult sort of social issue shows that I I am learning um, at just just like way more than than I could even imagine about these issues, and they're just so important. And so um, with art for a new understanding, uh, Julie, which we'll she'll talk about more, did um, three, I believe, three different focus groups, um, and then we also had sort of a larger programming conversation, um, and it was both with indigenous, um, the indigenous community mainly, but then there's also um, some focus groups that identified as not indigenous. Um, and really just showing them the artwork and having their initial reactions. And this was before we actually wrote our big idea themes and goals. And so those focus groups really did kind of inform um, what artwork, you know, are people unsure about? What what might they be confused about? What do they love that they see at first sight? And then what are some of the words they keep talking about? Um, and for, for us, I think it was really important. Um, and for me, you know, you, you mentioned listening, but just like listen and listen often and um, continue to get feedback. And I think this is something that's so great that museums are doing now is that it's not a one-way street into into learning. You know, it's not people, visitors coming in and reading the labels on the wall. There's so much more of a give and take. And every museum is in a community. And sometimes, a lot of times, you can broaden that community out to the world, you know, anyone that comes in. And so um, feeling like the needs of the community are trusted and respected and that they can also trust you with that. And I think that is just so important um, on what we are doing. So uh, continuing uh, to to invite the community in to tell them where we are along our process and then get feedback. And a lot of times we will directly change things, you know, based on based on what they're saying. And um, we also have readers. We did this with Border Cantos, too, and um, a little bit when it's more historical, which is great because we have a university here as well. So it's something I'm not sure of. I can find a scholar in the field. So I think uh, the thing for museum professionals is just admitting what you don't know. And it's OK if you don't know that. And and uh, coming um, at a question with sort of respect for where other people have been. Um, and that's that's really what we're doing and art for an understanding. I hope uh, we've really we've really tried to in, invest in um, uh, having uh, scholars who are contemporary indigenous scholars read our work and all of this sort of thing to just make sure that it is uh, principally this gets to our big idea that um, that uh, contemporary art is being made now. It's being made by indigenous people, um, and it's that nowness that we really want to bring out. So continue and the diversity, quite frankly, absolutely. You know, it's not even. Yeah. You know, indigenous people are incredibly diverse, yes. something like 573 yes. recognized uh, nations currently in the United States. And that's just federally recognized. So that's not even state recognized. And so it doesn't count First Nations people. Right. Right. Uh, or Métis or anyway in Canada, which there's over 600 um, in Canada alone. So having no idea about this, this seems, you know, this is something I am learning too. like our I, I think uh, a lot a lot of people don't 
don't hear enough about this in, in history. And so um, just making sure even in our in our um, text that it is present tense and that it's plural. Like even, you know, I just said like indigenous people as indigenous peoples, you know, like right. things like that, um, that you don't realize how important the words you are using are. And even the fact that like a lot of these words are um, are, you know, from uh, colonizing entities from um, people that are, you know, Euro-Americans coming over and creating words for things that already existed and had the, had different words. And so it's just it's learning so much and trying to listen is really where I'm at with that. But, so here's a good question for uh, from one interpretation manager to another. All this information that is important and that you want somehow to convey to the visitor. How do you make the choices of how that's conveyed? There's only so much space on a wall or on um, a label for an artwork um, or even in a printed guide. Um, How do you, for one thing, there are three curators on this show. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell me a little bit about, about them and how you've worked with them? Yeah, so um, mainly just because um, she is here, Mindy Besaw, um, who's our curator at Crystal Bridges, um, has done so much work, and it's just amazing to work with her. And then also uh, Manuela Welloffman, who is used to be with us and is now at the Institute of the American of American Indian Arts. Um, and then Can- Santa Fe in Santa Santa Fe, yes. Um, and then Candace Hopkins, who um, I believe is sort of an independent curator, and she is. Also, um, First Nation, First Nations, um, and from Canada. Uh, so the the three of them have sort of worked together on the artwork that they want to show um, and sort of how they want to show it, what they want to say about it um, in a certain way. And then Mindy and I sort of take that and mold that into Crystal Bridges, um, into the design with our wonderful designer, Jesse, and um, into sort of a graphic identity with Anna and marketing, um, but also in the text and how we sort of say it, how we um, what what we do in the text, which is every we have it's chronological. So one of our goals is to say that um, indigenous art is uh, is has developed over time, and so really starting in the fifties um, and moving into today. And actually, the art there is actual art being made while the show is open that will then be shown. So it, it's so mm-hmm. much today that it's even in the future, which is um, well. And this fun. is all an idea of contemporary yes. Native American yes. art or yes. indigenous art. Yes. Uh, so the the nineteen fifties starting point is sort of a uh, a defining moment in the contemporary, uh, uh, I guess, category, if you will. Right. And it's it sort of goes, I think we sort of wanted to mirror that timeline with contemporary art just to say that this is a part of contemporary art. And the, mm-hmm. and the idea of the title New Understanding is not just new understanding about maybe an indigenous artwork that, that might not be what you expect, but also contemporary art as well. So Putting those two together, just that that time of the fifties seemed seemed about right, and there were also some um, major uh, exhibitions and galleries opening at that time uh, in the in uh, indigenous cultures um, throughout Canada and America. So, um, so yeah, so that's sort of where it starts, and then it goes into stuff that that you know, as I say, is being made now or still yet to be made. That is just so new and and really exciting. And um, I think the variety and and the color and all of these things are going to really excite people and surprise people. So as an interpretation manager, ultimately, what is your uh, goal for the guest experience? 
Oh, in general or in this show? In this show. In this show. Um, so, so uh, yeah, getting to that point, you know, talking about the curators and saying there's there's over 80 artworks and all of these things, we sort of take that idea, distill it into our, our um, big ideas, themes, and goals. And I think from that, um, what we sort of keep reiterating is that um, Indigenous art is being made now, and it is being made by a uh, diverse range of peoples and also will totally surprise you in what to expect. The materials are vast. There's video, installation, protest art, um, art that you might consider or you might originally think, you know, traditional versus contemporary. We're sort of breaking down those boundaries, too. So I think just just um, come come to be surprised and excited is uh, what I hope and that you'll realize that this is really happening right now. It's a vibrant culture. Well, Samantha Sigmund, I really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks. It's fun to actually <laughs> chat interpretation. I know. I wish you had more. <laughs> I wish you talked more, too. <laughs> Thank you. All right. We'll be right back. Art for a New Understanding, Native Voices, 1950s to Now, opens October 6th at Crystal Bridges. Discover new stories as today's Indigenous artists fill the gallery with exquisite colors, images of community and joy, and thought-provoking moments of reflection. The exhibition features over 80 artworks from the 1950s to today, including paintings, photography, video, sculptures, performance art, and more, all created by Indigenous U.S. and Canadian artists. There is no fee to visit the exhibition. Admission is sponsored by the Christie and John Mack Foundation. Tickets are available now. We're here with Julie Goss, our Director of Audience Research and Evaluation. Welcome, Julie. Thanks. Excited to be here. Well, we're glad to have you because, first of all, a lot of people might be curious, what is research and evaluation in a museum context? So why don't you tell us about that first? Sure. So uh, research and evaluation in museums really means that I research or evaluate the experience of our <laughs> museum visitors. <laughs> I mean, I study people. I study the people who visit museums and try to learn more about their experience um, and then help the museum use that data to inform decisions. So we, if we learn more about who's coming to the museum, what their experience is like, what their interests are, uh, it'll help us make a better museum experience for everyone. So my role is really just working across teams to advocate for that voice of the visitor with data. Right. And so uh, from from my perspective, working in exhibitions, certainly we have very specific things that we ask you to do um, and different kinds of um, projects that we want you to find out. But we're only one division out of <laughs> a larger institution that has many different needs and many different approaches. So why don't you tell me about some of the uh, the departments or even some of the projects that you've worked on? Sure. Um, I do work with departments across the organization. So uh, there are a lot of curious people that I work with, and it's exciting because we're all really um, focused on making that guest experience the best we can and, uh, and, and learning from our guests and more about our visitors. So one of the things that you've worked on since you started, uh, and incidentally, you and I started on the very same day three years ago, uh, was a really large institution-wide study about who's coming to our museum. Um, you pretty much piloted that and 
we have our first couple rounds of data from it. Why don't you tell us about that big study first? <laughs> sure. Yeah, when I started, yes, we started on the same day. And when I did start, I tried to learn more about what our big questions were across the museum. And one of the things that kept coming up by and large was uh, just needing to know more about who was coming, who is visiting, what are they doing um, while they're at the museum, uh, what, what's motivating that visit? And so I designed the Guest Experience and Motivation Study, or GEM study, um, to help the answer those GEM study. <laughs> yeah, GEM study, uh, to help us answer questions about who was coming. And this type of study happens at other museums, um, just understanding more about audiences. But this uh, was the first time Crystal Bridges did it because we're so young. Uh, yes. Only being uh, nearly seven years old. Is yeah. that right? I uh, 11 to 8, yeah, 7 years old. Um, right. The guest experience and motivation study really helped us learn more about who was coming to the museum. And it's an ongoing study that we continue to use um, to understand how we're serving our communities. It's really exciting to see this data be put into action and be a part of those conversations at the museum. Yeah, we've actually used it in exhibitions already, and um, it's it's a it's been a very valuable tool. So kudos to you for for doing that. But you do a lot of other kinds of projects. I mean, sometimes very tiny ones. You and I have worked on a couple of little <laughs> ones uh, to to broader or more in depth ones. Tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about what you do. In that. Right. So um, from an organization wide study to some of my projects are more focused on exhibitions. Uh, and that can range from understanding um, what people know about a certain content area or how they might engage um, with certain images or themes in an exhibition. Some of my projects are around programs or events. Uh, what are... Um, what are our guests' experiences during an event? Um, was it successful? Did it meet expectations? Even nitty-gritty questions down to um, their experience with the food and beverages. So uh, we can answer really big questions and all the way down to serving our day-to-day -day needs for data. I kind of do it all. So what are some of the methods or instruments that you use in this kind of research? Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of the methods really align with those um, typical social science methods that you might remember from psychology or sociology or anthropology. You know, just just bringing up the nerd factor on the po podcast you bet. here. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of social scientists listening right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, and um, it's exciting to me. I, I love my job. And uh, so methods range from... A survey to an interview to a focus group, uh, other types of methods. We're really trying to figure out um, and determine. We uh, define the method by the question we're trying to answer. So what question do we have? We need to answer that question. Now, what method will help us answer that question? I think you refer to that as the juicy question, right? <laughs> I do try to help people identify those big, juicy questions. Um, sometimes We have a lot of questions. I work with a lot of curious people, and it's really great. Um, but some of our questions are bigger than others. And some of our questions at Crystal Bridges, if we um, research them in a really interesting way, we could even inform other museums across the nation. And, and that's exciting to me. Yeah, and you've got a couple of really big projects coming up, which uh, we may talk about in a future episode. Yeah. Um, but one, I want to actually turn the attention now specifically to Art for a New Understanding. And as Samantha was telling us, you know, this also kind of goes back to Border Contos mm -hmm. last year um, and work that you uh, 
designed uh, for that show that also now you've you've done it kind of again in, in a new and different way. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you approach um, setting up what we would call front-end evaluation or community engagement um, interactions to help us inform mm-hmm. planning an exhibition. Yeah, well, um, yes, exactly. I, I conducted front-end evaluation um, with Art for a New Understanding, and then I've also worked on um, Border Contos and, and the reinstallation for our permanent galleries That's as well. Right. I, I use these front-end evaluation methods. Um, specifically for Art for a New Understanding, uh, you know, we need to define what we're hoping to learn. What is that juicy question? And um, and for this, it's we're trying to understand our visitors' preconceived notions around the ideas. So how will community members or Crystal Bridges visitors react to the artwork that we are presenting intellectually or emotionally? Or what themes are visitors seeing in this in these images? Um, how what, how might we connect to those themes in our later interpretation? So usually, um, especially for Art for a New Understanding, uh, the the goal is to inform the interpretation. It's not to select the artwork on the wall, though it might help inform the placement of that artwork. Um, but it is to guide the interpretation of of that of that content and how to make it um, come alive and connect it to a range of of experiences and a range of people. Right. I can I can kind of give a fun. Uh, <clears throat> Example as an interpretation manager who's worked with you closely on <laughs> our reinstallation, mm-hmm. um, and one of the earliest ideas we had was to sort of guide, sort of uh, I guess you could say center it around the question of the American spirit. Mm-hmm. The question, so it's in our mission uh, that we celebrate the American spirit. Right. Um, but what came of that for the American spirit and yeah. the reinstallation? Yeah, we really wanted to use American spirit as a lens through which to look uh, and explore our early American gallery. Um, and and largely, so we conducted focus groups, focus groups with um, staff members internally, as well as in the community, and um, came away with just the big takeaway, the, the fact that the American spirit is very complex. American spirit is complicated. How can we um, reinstall this early American art gallery to uh, show that complexity when maybe the objects in the collection don't inherently do that just because of art history? Uh, so right. that's exciting to to um, to work on and 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 really dig into that complicated content. Yeah, it was sort of understanding really the fraught nature of the meaning of that phrase mm-hmm. um, and the way in which that phrase can mean really good, positive, you know, uplifting, patriotic things. Um, and for other groups, it can be very dark and very um, uh, upsetting, yeah. in fact. so And some people can have the, both of those feelings. The American dream is a very positive thing, and you can also have tension with it as an individual. And mm-hmm. and we got to hear that firsthand from our community members and just reinforced, oh, we need to be thinking about this with the reinstallation as well. I'm assuming you had similar moments uh, in your focus group conversations with Art for New Understanding. Yes, in Art for New Understanding, um, it was really exciting. We 
had um, five different groups um, speaking with both members, non-members, indigenous peoples, and and non-indigenous. Also, our teen council um, was another focus group. So across all of those, um, we learned a lot. And uh, one of the things that we came away with is that we um, needed to reinforce how this show challenges stereotypes. Um, we wanted to understand more about people people's preconceived notions of indigenous art and contemporary mm-hmm. indigenous art. Um, what comes to mind when you hear that, when you see these images um, and, and not surprisingly, uh, especially with how maybe um, this information is taught in schools, there were some, some, uh, um, some what challenges would, I'm going to say. Yeah. What I would even call, you know, the unconscious or implicit bias that, mm-hmm. that many of us carry, uh, you know, Un- unwillingly perhaps or unknowingly but but based on what we've been taught or what we've learned over our our years about indigenous people right the first thing that was coming to mind for many people who um were not indigenous uh they were still thinking about um indigenous people of, of the past and and placing a very historic um past oriented notion of mm-hmm. this art even when invited to participate in a contemporary native art focus group so um of course we didn't have that same discussion with indigenous peoples it was right. more like hey we need to remind people that we're here and and that's the exciting thing like that's exactly what this show is, is aiming toward we want to um re- remind and reinforce and maybe even tell someone for the first time, indigenous people are alive and well today, thriving and making amazing art. Uh, so that's, that's, um, I remember one anecdote from that was that, um, some of the non-indigenous folks were, um, were looking at the art, seeing certain things, uh, themes or whatever, and kind of moving on while some, um, indigenous, uh, focus group members were looking at, at, uh, certain artworks and, and laughing because they were seeing humor. Yeah. Um, and it's so that it's that double meaning, right? It's sort mm-hmm. of like um, uh, trying to um, uh, open up that idea that indigenous people have these rich and complex lives, just like the rest of us. And that their art reflects that as well. Right. Um, it's, we all bring ourselves to experiencing art and that, yes. and that means that we all experience art differently because we're all different people. Um, so, uh, in 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 conducting front end evaluation, it's it, the purpose is to bring those perspectives to the exhibition development process. How can we make sure that um, we are acknowledging um, and incorporating as wide of perspectives as we can? Um, we're we're not going to get everything right as an institution as a people um, right. that we'll still probably make mistakes. But uh, it, it it is it is exciting to me to know the extent to which we've taken that information to heart, reinforcing um, the the very present and sur- and exciting and thriving indigenous art scene, um, reminding people about the contemporary um, art and setting up the time period. And even that all of our artists are indigenous artists. So we really, that, that's where that new understanding, we're hoping that art for a new understanding, native voices, 1950s to now, I mean, all of those things are the key points that we're hoping uh, come out of this, or at least people come into it with. Mm-hmm. Um, we hope people come out of it with 
even more things, but it, I think they will. Yeah, it's, it's a dynamic fun. show. I will say uh, one last thing to your point about uh, making mistakes. Um, that's also another thing uh, you, as uh, uh, an audience uh, researcher and evaluator, does is like after the fact or during the fact, or like uh, there are ways in which you can explore. You know, did we make a mistake? Did we do something um, inappropriate, or you know, did we miss something along the way? Um, and your methods and your evaluation after the fact even can continue to inform um, how we approach exhibitions in the future. Exactly. Um, so I am conducting a summative evaluation of this show um, that will um, help us understand sort of how we did. Uh, you know, after people experience the show, are they learning what we hope they will learn? Or um, how did they... Uh, what was their per- perspective on on how it was displayed, this, that, and the other? Um, but and, and yes, that will answer the immediate question of how did we do this time. But the goal is to use that information also to help us learn and and inform what we do next time. And I add that into all of my studies um, because this is not just did you do your evaluation, check the box, yes or no. Um, okay, you did it. You get your gold star. Uh, no, I'm about learning and I'm about institutional learning and helping us um, inform our future decisions based on what we've done in the past using actual data from visitors um, to inform that. So, Julie, can you explain a little bit more about uh, how the focus groups worked for Art for a New Understanding? Sure. So we were really hoping to learn more about how people reacted to images um, and what themes that they were seeing. So I invited in individuals. Um, these people are recruited and they've agreed to participate in this um, about an hour and a half experience. When they come in. Um, How many? After we have snacks. Oh, about eight to 12 people per group. Okay. Um, and so uh, we have snacks and get to know one another. And then um, for this, for our for a new understanding, we really wanted to know how people were reacting to, at the time we were calling it Native North America even. So we, we had this phrase and did a, a word association activity, just a writing activity. So um, had the phrase Native North American art on a page and then asked them to write down any words, ideas, or phrases that came to mind when they saw that phrase. And that really got people thinking on their own individually. Um, after that, I invited them to go just into the room next door to experience what uh, we call a simulated gallery. So basically, I take some of the images from the exhibition um, and and put them up around around the room, just on the wall. Just and these are scaled down, um, low quality prints of um, about a third of the images. So not even everything, but I try to represent the main themes. Mm-hmm. Just the image the title and the artist's name. So very limited information. Um, After they experience those images and just explore them on their own, they can spend as little or as much time as they want, as long as they look at everything. I ask them to come back and then revisit their word association, see if there were any new ideas or thoughts that came to mind as a result of just viewing the art all by itself. Um, After that, we have a conversation. Usually I just facilitate a dialogue around our key questions, like what images were interesting. And we talk about the ones that were interesting or confusing or if anything reminded them of their own life in any way. And um, seeing where those moments of relevance happen. If someone can connect to something in an image that might 
that might say, oh, we should mention that in the label later on um, because that's a, a human experience that was really easy to connect to. Uh, so really just that discussion. We also had a discussion around a prepared exhibition statement. How would people respond to this statement? Um, different focus groups can go very differently, but those were the main um, components of the ones for Art for a New Understanding. So did you find that when people, you know, made their initial, um, you know, word associations, mm-hmm. if you will, and then they went into the virtual kind of, you know, gallery, if you will, and, and, and looked at all the, di- how different were their when they mm-hmm. came back, what what did you see in general? Um, were were a lot of people like rethinking their first words or? Yes, absolutely. Especially um, for our non-indigenous focus group participants, um, some of their initial thoughts around uh, contempor- around contemporary native art were still very in the past. Even even um, sometimes there were changes around color. So before they might write earth tones. And then after seeing these images, some of which are very colorful and vibrant, um, they came back and, and even mentioned the colors uh, that that caused that change. So even seeing the images without that are again print outs on a wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> it's not even high quality it's not art. A, I mean, it's a, it's it does the job, mm-hmm. um, but seeing the images uh, without any label information, it, it changed those those preconceived notions. So there were differences in the in the word associations, uh, definitely, mm-hmm. and it's That's always so, fun to see. Yeah, I mean, it's such a wonderful kind of demonstration of the power of art mm-hmm. and how just seeing something, even in a you know. A, you know, small kind of lower quality form can still have a powerful effect yeah. on what people think and feel. Totally. And then I get to go back and analyze all those words in my nerdy software and actually <laughs> look at how it differs by group. It's super fun. I have to say you are a, a master of the charts and the graphs and the visual <laughs> breakdown for those of us who aren't aren't quite as... Um, uh, methodical statistically uh, as you are. Well, it's important. It's so helpful. To, <laughs> I, I want to help everyone understand the data and the stories that the data tells. And um, sometimes the best way to do that is with a good visual. That's right. I'm really excited that uh, that you're our director now of <laughs> research and evaluation. Um, and it's been a pleasure talking with you. Thanks, Julie Goss. Thanks. Great to be here. We're excited to have several artists featured in Art for a New Understanding visiting the museum throughout the exhibition. You'll have the opportunity to hear directly from the artists in a variety of programs, including workshops, lectures, performance art, film screenings, gallery conversations, and more. See all exhibition programs online at crystalbridges.org. Thanks for tuning into Museum Way. We hope you enjoyed the episode and tune in each month to hear more. Head over to our social media channels and leave a question or comment about what you'd like to hear on future episodes. I'm Stace Treat, and I'll catch you next month right here on Museum Way.